Hello, listener, and welcome back to Cast. Hooray! You are listening to an episode for a Season 10 cluster, which includes Episode 14, The Executioner's Song, Episode 15, The Things They Carried, and Episode 16, Paint It Black. Welcome back to ItchyCast. I am one of your newbies, Paul Mackey, in my living room in Duluth, Minnesota, with my lovely wife, Darcy. Hello! And we are also joined tonight, or whatever time of day you're listening to this, by our expert, Bianca. Hello! And our other newbie, Yvette. Hey, y'all. Hi! How's that? How are y'all doing? It's It's been some time since we recorded last... But hopefully this will come out. Hopefully this will come out shortly after the previous released episode, which was just a couple of days ago by my calendar. Right. I almost said what month it was, and then I was like, maybe I shouldn't say what month it is. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we we definitely clearly talked about being pre-Halloween on one of the episodes, and talked about pre-Mardi Gras on another episode, and the most recent one I think was 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 far more recent than those, but. Uh, but definitely, we gave some t- some timetable clues on some of those episodes that was uh, somewhat embarrassingly distant from release date. Yeah. Oh well. But we got us all together and we watched some more episodes. Yeah. We're here now. We are. Yeah. Uh, so I guess that we can get started if everyone's ready. Um, we'll, we'll be starting with uh, episode ten fourteen, the executioner's song, which is which one again? Um, this is the one where Dean learns he's going to kill Sam eventually. <laughs> Again? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> kind of what he always does. Uh, so the Executioner song uh, that it refers to is a Pulitzer Prize winning true crime novel by Norman Mailer that depicts, depicts the events related to the execution of Gary Gilmore for murder by the state of Utah by Firing Squad. But that has little to do with this. Oh, there is a, uh, there is death row involved. Yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say beyond like the first five minutes of the episode. <laughs> well, I mean, Kane is the executioner in general, the titular executioner. Yeah, and we got whole... some crew crime talk at the beginning. There you go. Does yeah. Anybody have funny. any? I was um I was definitely I just finished watching um. Oh, now it's escaping the new Unsolved Mysteries. Oh. I watched I was, a little bit of that. I was like, oh my god, I'm the loser true crime head that they're talking about here. But I'm okay with that. Yeah, I know we've been watching a bunch of true crime. One of the networks, one of the one of the channels, the local broadcast over the air channels has adopted like two true crime networks on their sub channels. So they're like five three and five four are, are court TV and and crime TV or something Mystery. like that mystery. Mystery. So we find ourselves tuning over to that on occasion. It's fun. Sure, fun. Which is sad, but fun. <laughs> when they found her, she'd been stabbed nineteen times. Ooh, 
<laughs> my mom was like one of those like those ladies that had like a huge stash of true crime novels. Um, uh-huh. I feel like it's a very like feminine pursuit. Like a lot of women are like obsessed with true crime, but we had like the most grisly, like horrific things. And I could read whatever I wanted in the house. So like, I was definitely like nine years old and reading some pretty like rough, terrifying stuff. And these are like the, like the really pulpy ones though, right? Not, not, yeah, not, no, this not super... true in Capote and Norman. No, 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 just like straight up garbage. <laughs> there you go. Which I still like, enjoy. Which is what the TV shows really are. I was going to say, so straight up garbage <laughs> yeah. is the best kind of garbage. It it's is. true. Unapologetic. Absolutely. <laughs> I haven't read any straight up garbage in a while. Haven't you? Yeah, <laughs> Maybe you've been reading too much YA. <laughs> no. No, you haven't read too much YA lately either. No. Yeah. Been pretty pretty drudgery in what yeah. I've been reading. Maybe I should, I should change this. Yeah, well, you tried to read uh, whatever the George R. R. Martin stuff. Oh, God. Forever. I still have hopes that I will pull myself together and get it done, but I don't think I'm going to. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, so, <laughs> anyway, uh, that was a good tangent. <laughs> so uh, I'll just sort of go through some of this, skim through the summary. If anything uh, important that I've missed, let me know. Uh, a death row inmate in Texas encounters Kane in his prison cell. Kane stabs him and they both vanish. Uh, anybody have any idea what the guy was shoving up his nose while talking to the guard? It looked like a piece of paper. I oh my god. At first I was like, is that a pill? Is a it cigarette? a tissue? Like, does this have to do with the episode and I'm forgetting? No, it was just a mystery object. To something that he shoved up in his nose. <laughs> is that what you do when you're in prison? You shove- no. things up your nose. No, I think I think what it is is uh, is uh, hey, you know, in this scene, I'd like to have some extra business, so I'm just going to take this and I'm going to put it. I'm going to just shove it in my nose while we're shooting. Is that okay? <laughs> some business. I don't know. Anyways, the boys investigate, and though Kane is not recognizable on the security footage, when they zoom in on his silhouette alone, Dean feels the mark pulse, telling him it's Kane. Dean senses it, the nose, like the hooked nose or something. Yeah, the profile was not terribly distinctive. but no. Who is this actor? Does anyone know? The actor for Kane? Yes. Uh, yes, the main, Timothy Odmanson. The main thing you probably have seen him in is uh, the uptight detective in Psych. Okay, that is where I've seen him. Okay, I was like, yep. I knew he was super familiar, but I just couldn't place where and i didn't want to look it up just in case he comes back or lassie like <laughs> carlton lassiter um i had seen psych before i had seen uh supernatural so when he appears as this character i was like oh my god <laughs> i couldn't take it seriously at all it was too funny i did like him in the role i thought i thought he did a good job he definitely brought the intensity in this episode yeah definitely yeah and i mean he- i didn't like, spoiler, I didn't think this was a very good episode, but I did enjoy him, so. He's something. way hot in this episode. Yeah, he's very attractive. I would agree <laughs> with that. He's got, um, he's got a great head of hair. Agreed. It's floofy. Uh, Cass is investigating Kane, and when he talks to Kane, it turns out he views himself as father of murderers and is trying to w- rid the world of his killer children. And Dean thinks that this is Kane's previously predicted day when Dean has to kill Kane. Hmm. Yep. Did you all? Re- I don't know how um, 
like if any of you did a catch up rewatch or anything of previous episodes, but it was hard for me to remember like why this was a big deal. <laughs> when I sat down to watch it most recently, I was like, wait, why are we upset again? Like, yeah, I for sure had no idea. I was just like, <laughs> what's going on? Well, it was somewhat out of nowhere that he was just suddenly killing people. Yeah, but like you get the sense, like I got the sense that this was like a crescendo yeah. that I was missing. And I think that just not having watched this show for a long time. No, I'm not exactly sure of that. I think that I think they I think they went from him care, tending for his bees, transferring the mark, and then suddenly killing people. And I don't think that I think as a crescendo, it didn't it didn't have a whole lot of build to it. And then the way he that he dug all those graves haphazardly. I mean, come on, at least put some order to it. He's too crazed by rage, Darcy. Oh. He's just getting the the job done. You know, you can get the job done and do it right at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> they work out the next target is a 12 year old son of that inmate and they go to protect the kid or possibly use him as bait depending on who you're talking to yeah i didn't like that part yeah i felt bad for the kid using him yeah. as, as bait yeah well, i feel bad for him too because it's like he's fairly like i mean what did he do other than have like a criminal dad yeah pretty That's much it. Or great-grand-father, great-great-great-great-great-grandfather, whatever, right? Well, his dad was the killer on death row. Oh, that, that's... Oh, I didn't catch that. All oh, right. Yeah, that's that's why he was the target. Oh. Yeah, because yeah. he had, like, the, the death row guy had had, like, a secret son, I think was the implication. Oh, okay. Or, like, an unacknowledged son or something like that, you know? And so it was traced to him... As we find out, came but as, thorough. But as it turns out, we don't. Uh, he did, he didn't get used as bait. No, he was already dead. No, they already had him secreted away. The kid, they secreted Hashtag the kid away. Rune of Amaranth. Yes, Kane arrives and tries to kill the kid, but the kid is an illusion. But it wasn't it Kane that made the kid an illusion. No, Kane was killing the illusion. Yeah, Crowley made the Crowley made the illusion. Oh, okay. You know, maybe we should have had this discussion the other night because I feel really <laughs> stupid. <laughs> okay. Well, you'll be really fresh on the last episode because you just watched that one tonight. Well, I didn't ask any questions, so I'm still <laughs> going to be just as lost. Um, yeah, so the kid's an illusion, and Kane is stuck with the devil's trap under the hay of the barn. Dean, armed with the first blade, goes out, goes in to carry out his duty. So how does a devil's trap work on him? He's not a demon. He is a demon. Is Remember Dean demon? turned into a demon? He's a knight. Um, oh, wait. Yeah, exactly. Is he? I mean, it's it's related maybe, but... Well, Dean turned into a demon from the mark after he was killed, and that's what happened to Cain, allegedly. It was the same thing. Okay. Apparently. As far as I gather. I'm not. I'm no expert. <laughs> <laughs> So is that why Sam couldn't go in the circle? I mean, uh, Dean couldn't go in the circle? No, Dean was just, as long as Kane was in the circle, he couldn't leap at Dean. Yeah. So, so that's Dean, why could, he, Dean could hang out outside the circle and talk to him. Okay. And he steps in very pointedly. But then how does Dean get out of the circle? He's not a demon anymore. Yeah. Are you sure? Pretty sure. Are you sure? Pretty sure. <laughs> Okay. I didn't catch. I didn't understand that part either. I didn't get that he wasn't a demon anymore. Well, he's he's fighting 
figurative demons because of the mark that he bears, um, you know, physically and mentally, I suppose. So he's he's always trying to fight this other side of himself caused by the mark. And so now he, like, his brother wants him to, like, integrate into the world again. And Dean is like, I'm not the same, Sam. So. <laughs> wow. wow. Very good. Yeah, that was my impression. So he's, he's sort of, like, in limbo, I think. Like, he's technically not a demon to the letter, which is why he can walk in there. Okay. I guess. But he's also, he doesn't feel fully fully human either, I think, because he's he's always got this rage. You know, that's that's my secret cap. I'm always angry. Okay. Yes. Um, so I've, I've got a few, like, four sentences left in the whole thing. Uh, they fight and Kane gets the blade, about to kill Dean, but Dean cuts off Kane's knife hand with Kane's handy other knife that he had holstered handy in reach for Dean. Yoink. Uh, and then as Kane gives in, Dean kills him. Uh, subplot, Rowena is meddling with Crowley's hell dealings. She doesn't want him to take the blade to the boys, and he, she is packed and apparently ready to leave when he returns without the blade, and she accuses him of being the Winchester's bitch. Bitch. Oh my god, I was so hoping she was going to leave. I was like, thank <laughs> god. <laughs> oh, but wait. You said <laughs> when you saw that her, her carpet bags were still there. <laughs> Just go, girl. Just go. That fake accent. Does that bother anybody else or is it just me? Her accent's really rough, but isn't she actually like Irish? I can't remember. I can't remember either. She's trying to be Scottish and she sounds like she lost her lucky charm. Oh. (laughs) No, her accent's like really, it's like, I don't know. I, I can't tell if it's, I was just like, maybe I just don't understand these accents, but it's just sounded super Lucky Charms leprechaun. I just couldn't tell what was going on. I know. It's it's no good. I'm looking her up right now. I know Wait, we've done this, this before. <laughs> yeah, we looked her up her. and I got shocked because she's like 41 years old or something. Yes. Ridiculous. <laughs> she's had some work done. And then her son is the same age as her younger or older. I mean, whatever. So dumb. Oh, I don't know. The first result that's coming up is funnyjunk.com. <laughs> a class A reputable site. They would know. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I guess what matters is that her accent is not as successful to us as viewers. Um, I, yeah, I'm more distracted by her makeup. Oh, her makeup is her intense. Accent. It is intense. <laughs> And not skillfully done. (laughs) I I don't love it. No. We can move into who wins, who loses, if we wish. Okay. Yeah, um, I had to think about all of these for this group of three. I was like, does anybody ever win? (laughs) There wasn't a lot of winning. I said that Cass wins this one. And I can't remember why I said that. Yeah, remember him? Yeah, he He got that. You get to take the knife back to heaven somewhere. That must. I think maybe that's why he got the blade and absconded with it. Sure. Well, that's fair. But he didn't. He yeah. I guess he didn't really do much. 
he talked to that weird demon with also a strange accent. Yeah. This must be the strange accent season. Perhaps. Uh, okay, so we can rate and then we'll go to feedback, I think. And if we have, if anybody has quotes, they can share them at any point here, too. I don't have a quote section, but. We just toss them out there willy nilly. Exactly. <laughs> um, well, well, wait, did the rest, do we all agree that nobody wins this episode? Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, I, I guess Cass <laughs> did get to go back to heaven. I mean, I don't know. So is it better that, that uh, heaven has the blade on reserve than, than Crowley having the blade on reserve? I think Crowley had the blade on reserve sort of with always the potential of saying, I need one more favor and, and, and here, Dean, have, take this. Yeah. I mean, heaven's not great either. No. They're yeah, not. thankful. Thankfully, we haven't seen a whole lot of heaven this season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna say, are you are you wishing for more of a heaven arc? Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, let's find out what factions are left now. <laughs> there we yeah. go. Um. So, uh, if anybody wants to kick off rating, uh, I loved this episode the first time I saw it. Um, I think, again, I sort of alluded to this. It's because I was doing a true binge the very first time I watched the show and first time I watched this season. And that's why I was thinking, like, am I, am I not feeling the same about this episode because I haven't been, you know, marinating in the Supernatural universe for a while? Mm-hmm. Um, this time around, I would give it, like... I guess a seven. Um, and one of those points is just a full cane babe point, just because he's great to look at. <laughs> and he's, uh, he's nice and cinematic. Um, but I, I wasn't as moved this time watching it. Um, I was so excited for this episode for us to get to this episode. Cause I remember being so blown away and this time it was just kind of a fizzle. So I will, I'll give it seven out of ten. All right. Um, I, I, I don't, I'm not actually sure whether this part was supposed to be part of my rating or part of something that I was supposed to bring up at some point. But uh, so Cain made a prophecy that uh, Dean would one day have to kill him, and that came true, and Dean killed him. And now when he was talking to Dean before he killed him, uh, he said, um, "You know that your fate is that you're going to kill first Crowley." And then Cass, and finally Sam. So I'm not necessary. I, I I I'm I'm hesitant to say that he's going to kill Sam in the last episode of season 15. But who knows? Again. <laughs> Again. <laughs> um. But but I wonder whether uh, whether Crowley or Cass will uh, will will disappear from our screens at some point because of Dean's hand. It's possible. Maybe has been. Projected to happen, a little heavy-handed foreshadowing. Um, so, the, so that those prophecies had me, int- kept me interested. There was uh, a scene early on between Crowley and Rowena in the hell hallway, where the score was really weird. It was like standing up to me. There's like these weird saxophone noises in the background for parts of it, and I was just like, that score is is odd. And I wrote it down because I was I noted it. Hmm. Um, but. Score aside, 
the prophecies of Cain sort of uh, had me intrigued and ended up giving it a 7.5 numbnuts. Interesting. Yeah, I was (laughs) glad to, to see us get back on track. You know, in a lot of ways. So, you know, the show was getting back on track. We were getting back on track. Um, yeah, so I, I I did enjoy this episode. Uh, but I have to just say that uh, Crowley's mom does not have it going on. She needs to go away. So, but that's that's the only reason that it's not getting a better rating. So I'm going to give it a, a 7 out of 10 severed hands. Ooh. <laughs> Um, I thought it was fine. I liked Kane. Um, I don't like Rowena. Rowena. Rowena? Anyway, um, six out of ten. So that means that gives this episode an average of, is this right? I feel like my thing just did this math wrong because here it's saying 6.75. That's about right. I guess that's right. I guess that's right. Okay. That sounds ballparky. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Feedback for this episode. We have from Megan. Shout out to Megan. Sorry, Megan, that I I didn't call you you in time. (laughs) Uh, Megan says, my feedback for Executioner's song is string of heart emojis. About seven, uh, about about 10 or 12 of them by, by the look of it. Oh, okay. uh, she says, I believe B will be able to translate if the rest of you can't figure it out based solely on your previous knowledge of my feelings. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Megan loves Kane um, because he's a babe. Uh, we also were talking about just like when we, when the, you as newbies were approaching the season, we were like, oh, yes, this is the Kane season. And, you know, it sort of straddled part of season nine. You don't actually meet Kane till season 10. And she and I had both thought that he was in more episodes. And I will just say, spoiler alert right now, this is the last time we see Kane. Um, he is only in two episodes, but he's such a large presence in the season arc. Um, and in Dean's journey this whole time, uh, you really feel him sort of lingering around because they're always referring to him, referring to the first blade, referring, referring, referring. But um, this performance that he gives in this episode uh, is a is a great one, and it made us both think that he was way more of a recurring character. Um, he was only in two episodes, but he left his mark. Oh, oh. oh. Did you have to do it? Oh, come on. Oh, you are a naughty, naughty man. Oh, my God. I can feel that dad grin through the time zone. You should see it. Across through time and space. Oh, jeez, Paul. He's laughing at himself. I'm laughing at you laughing at me. Oh, boy. Shall we move on? God, can we please? (laughs) Oh, wait, I have one more thing to mention. Oh, absolutely. Sorry. It's the final moment of the episode where he's like, Dean, what's up? Are you okay? And he's like, duh, I'm fine. And Castiel is like flopping around in his coat. And he's like, "Uh, you know, what do we do next? And Sam says, 
cast Dean is in trouble because he can tell that Dean is still not okay. So we got we get like the prophecy angle of like, dude, you're gonna kill these people close to you, and then he's trying to pretend like he's fine because maybe he'll figure out a way to have that not happen. But uh, Sam knows his brother, so at the end he says like, Dean's in trouble. You know, he's he's not all right. He's right. Yes. Clearly. Yep. Okay. I just um, figured I would mention that. Yes, it's it's an important point in the uh, in the show arc, or at least season arc. I assume show arc. Next up, we've got episode uh, season ten, episode fifteen, the things they carried. Uh, what, which one is that? This is the one that I think is an allegory for veterans with PTSD. All right, and uh, the things they carried. In the, in the real world, is the title of a collection of linked short stories by American novelist Tim O'Brien, Minnesotan, uh, about a platoon of American soldiers fighting on the ground in the Vietnam War. His third book about the war, it is based on his experiences as a soldier in the 23rd Infantry Division. Hmm. Yep. Which was the division involved in the My Lai Massacre, but that was before he was part of the division. Hmm. The year before. Hmm. So, happy times. History. Cheery. History. History cheery. Supernatural cheery. Yeah. This was uh, quite, the, quite the episode. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a darker one. It is. So, Sam is hard at work on researching the mark. When Dean interrupts with the case of a female soldier who was killed, drained of blood, her organs sucked dry, and the marrow sucked from her bones. I felt sad for her when she was that was hung upside down. Really was terrifying. Yeah, it was a really metal opening. I was like, yeah. wait a second. Like, you know, there's always a level of sort of gore associated with urban fantasy, but this just got like a little real. This yeah. opening scene, yeah. I was like, God, you know, like, yeah, we're all very desensitized to like constantly watching violence towards women but this was a this was bad i was like this is upsetting yeah agreed i mean i could have felt that way about this whole episode because it could have all just been not um supernatural at all it could just be like oh these people are coming back horribly traumatized and now they're murdering their wives or murdering their you know whatever it felt like too real almost like it didn't have to be a demon yeah, and then plus, I mean, that, that opening scene, there's nothing outwardly revealing it to be a supernatural thing other than you happen to be watching the episode of the television show Supernatural. Right. It's a woman hanging upside down that's gutted by a guy with a knife. Right. Over a bucket. The bucket, I feel like, is what set me over. The dirty bucket, no less. Yeah. It was it was dirty. Oh. It was a very intense cold open. It was, I agree. Uh, They go, Sam reluctantly, and find the case is one of a series of deaths. Dean is thinking demonic possession. They talk to the wife of the perpetrator, and she says he was extremely thirsty all the time, and that she thought his friend Kit was possibly also affected. They go on to speak to Kit's wife and determine it is linked. And my summary is going pretty fast, but if anybody has any extra things to add to any of that, uh, feel free. Yeah, that's about right. So, here's something... It kind of made me think. Um, <laughs> what? 
Are you guys getting some weird music? Do you hear weird music? Oh, that's at my house. Sorry. Oh, okay. (laughs) I can can live with that. I just was like, that's very strange. (laughs) No, we have a soundtrack. There's um, some guitar music happening very close by. Oh, okay, cool. Well, I was wondering if anybody else thought kind of about the, the timeline and these parasite things, because how long had these guys been back? And then how long did it take to affect, uh, oh, God, what was his name? Uh, the one guy. The first guy or the second guy? No, Paul, that's it. How long did it take to affect him? It didn't seem yeah, very long at all. Yeah, it seemed to be very quick. So I was a little confused about the timeline on that. So, yeah. Well, do you, they mention it. Do you all remember the first time we saw these worms? Something yes. like that, yes. Yeah, something like this worm, yes. Come yes, um, it was in season six yep. uh, with Mitch Pelegi as Grandpa. Grandpa. Um, 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 his name was Samuel. Samuel, um, uh, last name uh, of the. It's, it's not Winchester. It's, it's not Winchester. It's, it's the other one. It's the other one. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, Campbell. 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 That's it. Samuel Campbell, yes, yes. <laughs> um, that's the the critter. Um, yes. So that we get introduced to the same critter, or a, or a similar critter. Yeah. Uh, according to Supernatural Wiki, it is the same. According to the Supernatural Wiki, there's a type one and a type two worm. Exactly. Con <laughs> con one and con two. Con two. <laughs> Um, I'm looking at the images of them, which are both equally nasty. I mean, maybe they're just part of the same family. Maybe. But the uh, the original conworm was birthed by Eve after she was released from purgatory. Ew. Ugh. Yeah. All right. Um, Cole is Sorry. there. <laughs> Cole, Cole, Cole shows up. Uh, Darcy, you didn't re- remember Cole directly as soon as he showed up? No. But uh, Eric, I explained it. Thank goodness. <laughs> yes. Uh, he's been called by uh, by Kit's wife, I think it was. And he uh, he joins up with the boys because he doesn't want them hunting Kit, only finding Kit. Mm-hmm. But then there is a scene in a convenience store. Yeah. Again, a little too much for me. Where the people of color yeah. have to get hurt <laughs> i didn't like that at all i know it was so annoying because on one hand i was like yay black people oh this is intense yeah and, i didn't you know like especially you know this is 2020 listeners um mm-hmm. who knows when you're listening to this but like all of that is very is is quite fraught it's, it's mm. always been quite fraught in the U.S., but like this year in particular, and I was watching that scene where uh, Kit is trying to just like drink all the liquid in that store, and mm-hmm. those two black guys look at one another like, "Dude, we're gonna have to approach him to say stop doing that." <laughs> um, that was also very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so the word from this murder at the convenience store comes through, and the boys are convinced that he's a monster. Um, Cole gets word separately, uh, not to their knowledge, that Kit may be at a cabin. And so he contrives that he's going to uh, go spend time with Kit's wife while the boys continue on their search. But instead doubles back and goes to the cabin. But 
The boys are ready for that and follow him to the cabin. Uh, Cole finds Kit at the cabin. Kit says that he can't stop, and then he barfs a worm down Cole's throat. I can't believe I wrote that down and said it. <laughs> barfs a worm. That's what happens. Yep. That's what and happens. It, and something in the life cycle of this parasite is is a little odd because Kit's definitely like crawling with with uh, uh, at least four. Uh, we count at least four come out of him. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, I think it's because he's been. He's, He's been, been cooking them for a while. For longer, yeah. yeah. Kind of makes the coronavirus look kind of nice, comparatively. <laughs> okay, <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> uh, Sam uh, takes up, uh, yeah, then Kit gets away. Uh, Sam takes up tracking Kit while Dean helps Cole, because uh, they burst in right when the uh, whole confrontation of the uh, the worm barfing was occurring. Um, and Dean thinks that it's a con worm like the one released by Eve back in season six. He knows that they electrocuted the victim to get it out back then, so they try it, almost killing Cole, but not succeeding at getting the parasite loose. Then, reasoning that the parasite needs water based on the thirst, they decide to try to sweat it out. Yep. And, uh, so Sam briefly cap- captures Kit at Kit's home. And uh, there's a, I think at that point there's the phone call where where uh, they're like, well, if we can save Cole, then we can save Kit. Like that's kind of what they were working, the model they were working from, assuming that uh, they can keep Kit captive, which is not the case. No. Yeah, so, as established, he's he's been cooking the worms for longer, so he's further he's further along. So Cole eventually coughs up the worm and is saved, and uh, Kit. Is uh, Sam is forced to kill Kit, and uh, at the end, Cole uh, says he's returning home and saying he hopes to never see the Winchesters again. And I don't know if he ever sees the Winchesters again. We'll find out. I suppose. Yeah. How did you feel about him returning and sort of showing us as viewers a different perspective on the way Sam and Dean operate? I, I kind of appreciate. I appreciated that that he sort of was able to come right because. He was sort of on, on, on an uneasy truce with them before, mm-hmm. and he was really kind of forced to see, okay, so what happened to my dad was he was a normal guy, and then he wasn't my dad anymore, and Dean took care of him. Right. And they, I, correct me if I'm wrong, they never, the, Dean never quite directly remembered which one his dad was, right? Right. I think he right. remembers how it happened, but... Yeah, I'm not sure even we know what what entity Cole's dad was. Right, because it's it's like not the point. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that's the episode, and we can move into who wins, who loses. Yeah, Yvette, how do you feel about Cole? Oh yeah. Um, I didn't remember him at all. Um, but like I feel like we've had this conversation before, right? Like with a different character that was like, oh no, actually my whoever was a good person. I feel oh, like it's I, him. I, it that's, was him. That's cool. Okay, it was still him. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I needed to see him again. We already had this conversation. I don't know. I, this episode was hard because it didn't feel fun or like spooky or anything. I don't know. I guess it was supposed to be having a bigger conversation because we got Cole back, but it was a it was a hard one to watch. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I, I picked Dean winning. I mean, it's not it's not a great outcome for anybody or a happy time for anybody necessarily. But Dean did did um, fight to save Cole and actually like really work to save Cole. And it's a it's a side of him that he's he's uh, worried is going to disappear at some point. Yeah. Uh, you know, really fighting to save people. So I appreciated that for him and said that he won. I could, yeah, I could go along with that, I guess. Sure. Yeah. Sam did sure. not win. We can say that. I was just going to say, because Sam... <laughs> he was feeling Sam sad about how it ended. Definitely has a lot of guilt. Um, so, yeah. If it's not Sam, Cass wasn't here. <laughs> um, so I, I suppose... Suppose it is Dean. Dean uh, by default. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he didn't have to kill that guy, so that's something. Yeah. I don't know. And Dean, Dean is was just kind of whatever about all of it because, uh, you know, we get the feeling that he's resigned to his own death, and he even sort of says that at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um. So, is that winning? I don't know. Like, he he has made peace with something, even though it's unpleasant, I suppose. Except that the very next episode, we find out he hasn't made peace with it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You have to remember, we are still watching Supernatural, and Dean Winchester can never actually get enough, you know, self-care ever. <laughs> like awareness and and help about what the hell he's constantly going through caught myself paul did not swear (laughs) (laughs) all right do we want to rate uh sure okay all right so i thought that you know on the one hand it could have just been a parasite you know there's not really it doesn't necessitate any kind of supernatural necessarily there are parasites in the natural world that take over the behavior of their hosts mm-hmm. not necessarily not necessarily humans although there's some th- some case in the um the the what's the cat feline yeah there's a uh i can't oh i can't remember the name of it the, anymore if the toxoplasmosis mice, well yeah and the mice get it right yeah it's it's a three it's 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 there's three links in the chain for the for for toxoplasmosis there's the cat which basically just um, has it, mm-hmm. but then if a mouse gets it, um, then the mouse is more interested in being near cats. <laughs> like like they've <laughs> tested it, they've test they've tested it out where they've had mice, and then they've got they've got mice that were uninfected and mice that were infected, and then they took a pillow that the mouse was going to lay down on, and soaked it with cat urine. And the one with toxoplasmosis was like, hey, that pillow is exactly where I want to be. And then meanwhile, they do believe that in humans, there is a tendency to make women more likely to like cats. Right. I mean, there's there's things that can happen if they're pregnant and with the fetus and everything like that that are that are that are nasty. But in terms of behavioral tendencies, that it possibly makes women more tendency tendency to to like cats and for some reason, for men to be more macho, like, like, like uh, aggressive and macho. Yeah. But anyway, wild. 
So, but so this parasite could have just been a parasite, and then the extreme thirst element, of course, um, we've seen elsewhere before. Uh, I'm thinking Angel, the price, <laughs> where there were little wiggly crystalline creatures that uh, silica-based creatures, sort of things that were uh, from another dimension and infected one of the characters and made them extremely thirsty. Yes. Yeah. Parasite. So. They're gross. Yeah, so that was, I felt that was a little bit derivative of that episode, and I think there was something in, I, I feel like there was something in X-Files about drinking a snow globe or something like that. I know there was snow globe drinking in that Angel episode, but anyway. I can't remember. Um, so anyway, I felt like that was a little derivative. It, it could have just been a parasite, so I'm giving it, but but like I said, I, I kind of like the uh, the Dean fight, fighting to save Cole, so I'm giving it 6.5. Uh, fingerfuls of frosting out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a good episode. Um, not not the best that, that we've seen, obviously, but uh, you know, it was it was a good monster of the week. Um, I'm kind of sad that we had to recycle the monster of the week, but you know. Whatever, you know, it happens. And you're going to run out of ideas if you have 13 seasons of the same show, right? Sure. Um, so they tried to refresh it a little bit, added a little uh, PTSD to it, and that's what they got. Uh, so it's pretty good. I'm going to go ahead and give it a... Um, ooh, uh, I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10 uh, tasty vases of water. <laughs> I'm also going to give it a 7 out of 10 um, water bottles uh, this I think um, this is not necessarily successful for me as an episode of Supernatural but I think it's a successful episode of TV with an allegory Um just because, like, it's so clear what's actually happening. You know what I mean? Like, what Yvette was saying earlier. Where uh, it's it's hard to watch. Because you know what this... You know what this show is trying to say about soldiers and, you know, Society. people who serve. Yeah, and it, it gets... It's really uncomfortable to watch them navigate it. But um, I think it worked in terms of illustrating, you know, the problem, I guess. I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm making sense, but um, I also give it a seven. Um, like I said, I didn't really enjoy watching it, and it made me uncomfortable that it felt really real, but that actually made it okay. Like, yeah, I thought it was not a bad episode. Um, so those average out for me, and that made me give it a five. So that means... I am do 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 do. I think I did this wrong. Okay, that gives the episode a six point six two. Sorry, y'all. I'm doing this one by hand now because my computer that had Excel on it broke. Oh, <gasps> what? It's okay. I bought a Mac and I've got like numbers and stuff now, and I'm fine. But um, our old ratings are all gone, far away. Oh. It happens. Some diligent listener can go back and, and gather them back. <laughs> oh, no. Well, I think because I it's so compelling. 
I have them saved on my like a uh, external hard drive. I just have to get the thing that will make a PC hard drive connect with a Mac. Oh sure, yeah. So oh, once yes. I have that, I can get them all back. I just don't have that part. So yeah. sure, okay. But anyway, um, yeah. My, my, I, my, oh, go fun. ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. My other my other rating system was going to be personalized roadside eateries because when they uh, when they stopped to that uh, outdoor cafe it was Sammy's. Sammy's, that's right. Sammy's. <laughs> we have Sammy's here in Duluth. It's yeah, Sammy's Pizza place. is here in Duluth, which is Duluth Pizza, and therefore, eh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know the pizza is different here. Just so y'all know, if you ever come here, um, they cut it in squares, not in triangles, and it's like really thin and crispy and uh they tried to take all of the spice out of it so like instead of sausage they put hamburger on it sometimes they do they have sausage available well yeah but you kind of have to beg for it yeah and when they do sausage it's like one piece per little square per square like they spice space it out and then cut it accordingly that's right it's really odd so, um, I mean, there's weird there there is good pizza in Duluth, but it's all imported from the Twin Cities or other parts yeah, of the region. But yeah, the the pizza for this part of the country is very different. And I remember it from as a, as a kid where I didn't know any different, but it was still kind of bleak. Yeah, do you remember thinking that? This yeah. is, who puts just hamburger on pizza? You know, if you're gonna put hamburger on pizza, at least make it be like a cheeseburger pizza. Yeah, they make bacon cheeseburger the, with the pickles, the, yeah, pickle chunks, yeah, and, and a little yeah. bit of mustard. Some mm, bacon, very good, yeah. mm. very good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, well, uh, we've got one last episode to. Uh, oh to wait, wrap I have a quote. Our... Oh yes. Sorry, I know Quite we're right. not very quotified, but I'm trying to trying to remind ourselves of the arc. Um, so at the end of the episode, Sam and Dean are talking. Dean is like, don't blame yourself. Sam says it feels crappy. Sam says, I tried, but I couldn't save this one. And Dean replies, you know, you can do everything right. And even still, sometimes the guy dies. So, you know, another mm-hmm. ominous Winchester bro ending quote. End of the Indeed. episode. To remind ourselves where this is all going. Because this is pretty much... the Well, I think we're past the middle now. This is episode 15. Yep. Um, so, hmm. we're, getting, we're getting to the crescendo. All right. Yes, we are. And uh, on the way to that is episode... Uh, season 10, episode 16, Paint It Black. Uh, which is which one? This is the one about nuns who wear a lot of makeup. <laughs> yeah, they sure do. But when yeah. you're the Mona Lisa, I suppose that's what you do. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh, Paint It Black, If I Even Need to Say It, is a song by the Rolling Stones. It was released as a single on May 7th, 1966. Wow. Really? It, it sounds much older than that, doesn't it? Like a further back? Yeah. That's pretty far back in the Stones repertoire, though. It, it sounds earlier than that, but okay. Um, so, anyway, I have it divided into A plot and B plot, so I don't have to keep jumping back and forth between Hell and the main action. So I'll do all the main action and then go to the B plot in Hell. 
We could just skip the B plot. If <laughs> we, <you want>. <laughs> <laughs> it is much shorter than the A plot. I mean, I I say A plot and B plot. It's kind of like that first episode though, where I kind of went all A and uh, then, by the way, in hell. Yeah. Meanwhile, in hell. Or maybe we do the B plot first. I could. Yeah. I could do that. I could do that if anyone wants to. Just get it over let's, with. Yeah, let's get it out of the way. Okay, it's 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 all of like literally six sentences. Could do it. <laughs> okay, here goes. All right, Rowena is mad at Crowley over the Winchesters. Oh, whatever. And mad that he's done nothing to help with the Grand Coven problem. So Crowley has Olivet, the High Priestess of the Grand Coven, brought brought to hell, and leaves her to Rowena's doings. Doings. That's. You? Did that's you what I wrote. That? That's what I wrote. Oh God! What? There's nothing All wrong right, with keep that. Keep going. Keep going. Uh, Rowena tortures Olivet, who reveals that all of the powers and relics of the coven were stolen away, and secreted away into bunkers by them, the men of letters. Da, dun, da, da, da. Which they pretty much did in the score for that particular scene when she said "men of letters." Pretty much. <laughs> of whom only remain uh, the Winchesters. Then Rowena almost kills Olivet, but turns her instead into a hamster. Should have been a hedgehog. Should have been a hedgehog, perhaps. Or a rat. Something. Megan, you don't need to watch Buffy, Megan. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's for when we finish Supernatural. We'll get Megan in as the newbie for, uh, for an all-new uh, uh, Buffy uh, um, intro cast. <laughs> yeah, in 2036. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> God, I gonna live that long? <laughs> Are any of us? Oh, well, and you'll be a newbie past, and you'll be a newbie past mid season five. So that's right, I gave up, didn't I? You gave up in mid season five, the best Why season give up? of a television show in in history, man. Why did I give up? I don't know. Okay. Okay. Finally, I'll be an expert. Yes. Um. So the A plot in uh, Worcester, Ma, Worcester, Massachusetts. People are oh. cutting themselves to death. Hmm? Sorry, that that's the mass hole in me reacting to the fact that this is supposedly set in Massachusetts. Oh, good. <gasps> you said it wrong. It's Worcester. I just dislike. Well, it. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I could have I could have done like I used to and just go Worcester. No, <laughs> Worcester. It's Worcester. Yeah. <laughs> People are gutting themselves to death, and then a wife uh, kills her husband with scissors. Hmm. I've never thought of doing that. Dead again, anyone? <laughs> That's right. That was that was the whole plot. She like there was like the, art the giant scissors. scissors sculptures and things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That was pretty fun. That was fun. Anybody remember Dead Again? No. No, but I don't the, know if I know what that is. That is a uh, Kenneth Branagh. Emma Thompson joint from when they were together. <laughs> it's worth a watch. It is worth a watch. It's a it's a thriller. It's got some cheesy elements, but it's uh, it's fun. I think you'd get a kick out. I of think it. you'd enjoy it. Dead again cast. <laughs> it's just it's it's, it's a movie. <laughs> uh, Sam and Dean are investigating. It seems that all of the dead men had been seen at confession, though of course the father will not tell them what was discussed. Yeah. Well, of course not. Of course not. They, they, they started to ask the question. I was like, he's not going to say what they talked about in confession. I know, he's going to tell you. It's confidential. Uh, meanwhile, Sister Matthias. Matthias. Sister, Sister Matthias. Sister Bella Hadid. 
<laughs> is talking with, a, with an Italian fellow nun about her past. And Isabella tells about her time with a painter, Piero. Piero saw her as amused, but nothing more, which is what she wanted. Her father sent, him, sent her to the convent after she fell into despair, having been rebuffed. It happens to everybody. You get buffed once, and then the second time is... Just stop. Stop it. Stop it now. <laughs> that was off. That was... That- that was spontaneous. Yeah, I didn't he... think of it when I was writing it down. Stop. Oh, boy. Dean goes to confession. First possibly, first with possibly contrived stories of women he has been with and cheated on as bait for the spirit. But then he has a further reflection on where his life has been and his fears for the near future. Right. Which is probably the most important scene in the whole episode. And I just gave it, it two sentences. It was the best scene in the episode, I thought. It was. Yeah, there's yep. finally, like, telling somebody how he really feels. Yes. Ten seasons in. Yeah. Uh, they leave the church talking about their ploy, but they're overheard by Sister Matthias. Later, the sister reads El- Isabella's journal and the tale of how she was seeking revenge by ruining Piero's art, but discovered him with another woman and killed him. By the way, somewhere in here, there, there was a, 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 quote, big reveal that this was all happening in 1530. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. she couldn't tell. Because you couldn't tell from the first couple of scenes. That... I was going to ask you just now, um, when did you all figure out that that's what was going on? It was really early. It was uh, when she was amused for a painter who was painting classical portraiture. It was the... And then, <laughs> well, I kind of thought that too, and then I was like, okay, I want to wait till he puts a shirt on, and I'm going to take a look at that shirt, and I can tell you if it's modern or not. Hmm. And it was... Um, it was a really ambiguous shirt. Really? Yeah, ambiguous shirt? they did a shirt? good job. They did a good job. <laughs> That's your rating system? Did I spoil your rating system? Uh, no, shirts? I didn't have one, but now I might. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sister Matthias goes to Sam and Dean and shows the journal saying she's always been sensitive to spirits. It turns out Isabella was burned at the stake. So surely the journal connects her with her vengeful spirit, says Dean. <laughs> oh no i'm sorry i'm laughing before you've said it <laughs> oh okay. but wait oh but wait <laughs> dean and sister matthias leave sam to burn the journal and all the stuff from isabella's family but the sister becomes possessed and attacks dean having killed the priest yeah which he didn't have to go well it was his Maybe. time, really. <laughs> we had to level up. God, it's fine. We had to level up somehow and, and show what yeah. was happening. But then Sam reads the journal instead of destroying it and finds out that Isabella put her blood and part of her finger and made Piero mix the ground bone and blood into the pigment for the painting. How disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> Iris just gave you a look. <laughs> <sighs> it's really gross and at the same time so hokey. Like, it's very Are You Afraid of the Dark in a way. It is. Yes. Yes, um, it is. <laughs> but I think the actress did a really good job of portraying an unhinged person. Like, she's like, and then I was truly a part of the painting. 
And uh, I for- I had forgotten about that part when I was rewatching this. Mm. And uh, I was doing something else at the time. And I actually had to be like, bitch, wait a second. <laughs> like, <laughs> rewind. Did you just cut your finger off? Like, I forgot. Um, and then hold out the tip of your finger. Like, here, take this. And it here, here, let me gleefully present this part of myself to you. Don't don't worry about the agonizing pain that would be involved in losing part of a bone and flesh. That you know. no, Darcy. The only pain she can feel is the pain of not being loved by Piero. Uh, actually, I think that the uh, losing the finger would trump that. <laughs> <laughs> I am pretty sure. <laughs> so, as the sister has Dean pinned up next to a pillar, and about to be pinned literally to the pillar. Uh, Sam frantically races, finds the painting, burns the painting, and saves Dean. Yep. <laughs> and those are both plots. <laughs> those are Y'all, this one was like balls to the wall, nutty. Like, it was so <laughs> wild. I enjoyed it. <laughs> it was kind of crazy, wasn't it? Yeah. It was nuts. Those nuns looked ridiculous. I, mean, I know. Mona Lisa, come on. It was just so dumb. I think <laughs> I, it was my favorite one. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's pretty dumb. It's more, it's it's jaunty. It's sort of a reminder of why Supernatural can be fun, you know? It's because it's just like, oh, this is, what, what? Did you see? This is ridiculous, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, I was mad, though, because I just hate it when things are set in Massachusetts, and they're clearly not. Yeah. Hey, they cut really. They squished really fast past the mountains in the background when they were getting in the car. <laughs> <laughs> Just they like were really far back there. What? You're they don't trying. have mountains in Worcester. It's the Seven Hills of uh, Seven Hills of Boston, right? Uh, and they were they were like trying to make up for it by just giving all of the characters Irish names. It was like. <sighs> You know, there's a lot of Catholics. And- <laughs> this doesn't work. It doesn't work that way. You can't just be like, oh, uh, you know, Lisa McCarthy, <laughs> Father Delaney, <laughs> Terry something. What was Terry's last name? Oh, Tool. I don't know. I made that up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you might not have, though. Like, it might have just been that. It was so bad. Oh, Terry Sloan. There it is. Sloan. <laughs> Oh God, yeah. Um, it's like Fall River, really, really. I don't know. All right. Um, we could go to who wins, who loses. Um, and uh, I'm loving for Sam winning because he kept at it with the journal instead of just burning it. Yeah, you're right. He he cracked the code. He did the s- Da Vinci code. He did say later on in the car in the ending scene of the episode that, uh, hey, you know, if I if I hadn't kept on reading that journal. We would, or no, actually, Dean, I think, says if you hadn't read the journal, you would have, uh, wouldn't have figured out how to how to solve this one. Yeah. And then, uh, then Sam does say that if Dean has anything he needs to talk about, besides to the, the father in the confessional, that he's always there for him to talk to. Yeah, and Dean's like, ah, uh, no. <laughs> yeah. I'm but like, it makes sense. Be- like a priest is kind of like a therapist, and it's like easier to talk to somebody who's totally impartial than your brother, yeah. right? I was just going to say, I'm going to actually give this episode to Dean because he did some important self-work in this episode. Hmm. And, you know, he realized something about himself and was, like, honest with himself. 
for probably the first time in a long time. Um, and I, you know, it's nice to finally see that in that character since we get those moments with him so seldom. Um, you know, usually he's like bloodied and yelling at Cass across a chasm or something when he says stuff like this. And so it was nice to just see him have a moment of realization um, and vulnerability in a way. So I think that's a humongous win for a dude like Dean Winchester. Yeah, it was nicely spontaneous. He had no reason to have that self-reflection, and yet he did it right there. It was not, uh, it was not just suffering of recent peril or, or anything like that. It was mm-hmm. just uh, just there. Yeah. What do you think, Yvette? Who won? With, uh, with my boy Sam on this one, just because, I mean, he was the one who figured it out. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. I guess I'm going with Sam. All right. All right. Uh, I guess we can either go with uh, with quotes or rates. Um, I, I quoted already. You did? Yeah. There's what? a lot of Catholics in Massachusetts. Yes, that's right. That was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> was said uh, in the episode. Related to a few that are from there, yeah. Oh, this isn't like a fun quote, but I feel like it's a supernatural mythology quote, so I will quote it. Um, Father Jelani asks Dean if he believes in God, and Dean says, I believe there is a God, but I'm not sure he still believes in us. Aww. That was actually a good quote. Yep. Just yep. in general. You know, I know Paul has, has debated before over like whether or not we're actually going to Learn more about this in the course of the series. So, yeah, it was a nugget. It was interesting that they had a uh, had a whole episode that was really directly relating to Catholics. Yeah, like you know, there, there's been past episodes where they've dressed up as priests and pretended to be priests, and a couple uh, there was uh, um, the the situation with the Men of Letters at the beginning of that whole thing. But this is the first one that's really, like, the whole thing was in a church about the Catholics and not... I, I had a feeling that someone who wrote... Someone writing it or consulting with it probably had a had a direct knowledge of some of that. Yeah. Uh, so we could rate. Sure. Does anyone want to lead off? I've been leading off. I don't want to. Okay, I'll lead off. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I didn't feel like any of the intended reveals were surprising. It seems obvious that the uh, Piero Isabella story was from the distant past. Uh, as soon as Olivette said that they stole all the coven's magic before she even was talking about they hid it away in bunkers, I was like, okay, well, men of letters, men of letters. And she said, men of letters, and the score goes, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Not literally, but pretty much. And uh, I was like, yep, that was the men of letters. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I was only off by thinking rat when Rowena to- turned her into a hamster. Uh, she was like, triumphant spell cast, chains drop. And I was like, okay, she's a rat. And she wasn't. <laughs> uh, so the, the, all of that was kind of, you know, not surprising, not, not a big effect. Uh, but there is the, uh, the the Dean confessional scene. So I'm going to give it six and a half. That gives it back up a half. Uh, six and a half out of ten. Um Mountains of Worcester. Worcester. Sorry, Worcester. Worcester. <laughs> oh, I should have gone with my last rating there, though. That would have been, I already, I already said Mountains it? of Worcester. I should have said this one. Okay, I'll use that one. Okay, you can use that one. Yeah. Okay. Well, 
But ambiguous shirts is so awesome. It is pretty awesome. <laughs> but I mean, you... that's going to be my next band name. Yeah, it's pretty good. Shirts. <laughs> I was just like, you can't be in a band. Kind of like random shoes. Uh, well, I can read it next, then, I guess. Um, I'm going to give this one. I think I was trying to change it, but I think I'm just feeling very 70 about this whole cluster. So I'm going to give it another 7 out of 10 Voldemort Kuato demons because okay. of that moment when the guy's complaining about Rowena and he's got the other he has like a second face on the back of his head yep oh that's right that was funny then she makes some rude comment about being two-faced mm-hmm. yep I, I I kind of like mm, I wish I knew that spell I could really use that a lot mm. <laughs> <laughs> all right well I don't know it was it was good um to some degree and that it was silly you know, it was uh, pretty pretty out there, but you know, it did have that one. I guess it was good that they did have that one really great grounding moment with Dean, so that you kind of get the juxtaposition there. So, but the story was nice after the after the Dark Army episode. I suppose yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so at any rate, um, I am going to give it a six point five uh, out of ten. Uh, Hamster necklaces. <laughs> oh dear! Because the hamster had that little necklace. He did the necklace have was the little there. necklace, so the people like me that weren't paying attention caught it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I actually really enjoy this one. I think it's just because it was so insane. Like it was just so bizarre and stupid. Um, so I had fun with it, and I'm gonna give it a. What the hell? An 8 out of 10 finger paintings. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, that's a good pun! All right. um, Thank you. So that gives this a 7 out of 10, which I think is fair. Yeah. Um, Was was Olivet trying to have an accent? No. I hope not. Because she was supposed to be, you know, contemporary with Rowena, wasn't she? They were they they've known each other for hundreds of years. Well, yeah, but I didn't think that she had. I I don't know. I didn't I didn't detect an accent. I couldn't tell all. if she was trying one or not. I got nothing out of it. All right. I don't know. Okay. Uh, we do have feedback. Hey. From Nutty, which Nutty. was I was I was thinking right at the end of the of discussing the episode when Yvette was saying the episode was just Nutty. I was like, oh, it's too bad we weren't just segueing right into this. Speaking. <laughs> uh, Nettie says, I don't have much feedback because I don't remember these episodes and the one sentence summary isn't sparking anything. But there is a line from Dean that has always stuck with me from Paint It Black. I believe there is a God, but I'm not sure he believes in us. Every now and then, SBN says something profound. And this one, this one I feel a lot. Cool. Thanks, Nettie. Thanks, Nettie. Thank you, Nettie. Yeah. Uh, that wraps up these three episodes. So uh, I guess the next thing we need to know is uh, what are we? What's on the on the plate for next time? It does, doesn't it? Yeah. So next time is episode seventeen, Inside Man. Episode eighteen, Book of the Damned, and episode nineteen, The Werther Project. 
Werther? Not Werther. Werther. So, uh, so those hard, little hard candies. Hard caramel candies. <laughs> yep. Delicious. I love those things. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, well, it we'll, is Supernatural's take on Willy Wonka. <laughs> we'll, we'll, That'd we'll be end amazing. Up, We'll end up off pod to discuss uh, when that next one might happen, but uh, we'll uh, we'll get to that in a moment after we tell you all goodbye. So I guess unless anybody else has anything else, we'll say uh, happy hunting. Bye. Bye. Thanks Bye. For listening. You've been listening to Idgitcast from quadruplez.com. Join the discussion at facebook.com slash we would love to hear from you. You can email us or send in an MP3 voice message. Please use the episode title as your subject line to help protect our newbies from spoilers. Our email address is idgitcastpodcast at gmail.com. The opening theme for Idgitcast is by Borrowed Trouble. You can find the band at borrowedtrouble.com. The lyrics and vocals are by Idgitcast founder Allie Jones, who you can learn all about by visiting imthewonderband.com. The closing music you are listening to, even as I speak, is Too Good, written and performed by Jack Mangan, and is used by his generous permission. You can find other music, writings, and discussions by Jack, as well as archives of his own deadpan podcast at jackmangan.com. You may wish to know more about the hosts of this show. Yvette can be heard as one of the hosts of Investigating Mars, a completed introcast about the TV series Veronica Mars, also available from quadruplez.com. And now, Yvette will tell you all about select movies from the Lifetime Network. Find out before you watch what movies have all the best people, who are the worst, who is killing who, and most of all, what, if anything, makes sense. Yvette presents this trove of information at moviesofalifetime.com. Bianca doesn't currently have projects available for you to find online, but all of us at Idgitcast encourage you to have a visit to your local public library. Darcy and I can also be heard on the Ghostlight Podcast, a completed intro cast for the television series Slings and Arrows. Slings and Arrows is on the Encore Plus YouTube channel, and you can hear our thoughts on the series on the Ghostlight Podcast at quadruplez.com.